Lindsay Rowland. You guys are in for a lucky day today. You just get me. Today, I do want to focus on what to do if you are a soldier, Marine, service member, and you would like to go to a campaign or a rally. This is going to be a short session. I'm going to call it the rapid 30, rapid 30 minutes. We're just going to talk about the issue and hopefully anyone who hears this will share this with their soldier, their family member, whoever they know that's in the military. So why am I doing this bottom line up front? The bottom line up front is that I believe that as a soldier, you should go to campaign rallies. You should go to rallies in general. You should vote. And I just want to make sure that you understand the process. And I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence here. I just think you have to follow the storyline on each of the issues because knowledge is power. And as we know, our soldiers are some of the smartest people I know, officers and enlisted. So why not let's educate ourselves so that everybody has the maximum amount of knowledge on an issue. And then guess what? Everything's fine. We won't have a Lieutenant Colonel Scheller and not that he did anything wrong. But the point is, and he, he, I think he did everything absolutely right, but for, you know, your E3s or your first lieutenants, or even, I mean, staff sergeants and like officers that are of higher rank tend to just avoid these things in general. And I think that's fine. We do have a president and we do need whoever that is. We, you do support him in the military, but I don't think it's a bad idea for the younger generation of soldiers to understand what rights they have so they can get involved in politics. Because our soldiers turn out to be Dan Crenshaw's, Brian Mass, uh, Ruben Gallegos, Seth Maltins. I mean, the list, Reed, what is, I'm sorry, what is Reed's first name? I forget. Jack Reed. And even if these people don't have military backgrounds, they have military connections. Paul Cook. Paul Cook is one of the most amazing. You check out Paul Cook. Paul Cook was a colonel in the Marine Corps. And he he did amazing things for veterans. He just retired on the Hill. He's going back to California, I think, to serve on a governor board or something. I mean, check out what Paul Cook has done for our country. Check out what Trent Kelly has done for our country. He is the highest ranking. He's a brigadier general in the National Guard. Trent Kelly is a powerhouse. He's a lawyer. He was a prosecutor in Mississippi. He, I mean, he runs things on the armed service committee. I used to, I did an internship. So thank you, Trent Kelly, for helping me get a job. But, but the point is, is how powerful is it that they all came from the service? And then you have like your, your Tulsa Gabby's, you have your Lura's, you have your, the list just goes on and on. And how powerful veterans can be in Congress. And and just to give you another example, one of my favorites is Wesley Hunt. So check this out. Wesley Hunt, and hear me on this, this is exciting. So they just created a new district in Austin like a week ago or a week and a half ago. Wesley is, so he ran last time, ran a great campaign. He only lost by maybe 10,000 votes. He's on one of my podcasts, but I will attach it here so you can listen to him. Listen to Wesley Hunt, African-American, super adorable, very charismatic, beautiful family. Like, you know, we all do. And I I say African-American because he talks about how he doesn't want to be called an African-American. He wants to be called black because he didn't come from Africa because On his podcast in the hunt, he talks about how uh, he went from slavery to West Point. And I think I want to say like four or five generations. And I think that's a valid point there because he's talking about the American dream. And then he's, you know, he's American. 
And, and that story is so powerful. So back to his campaign, he is the highest, he has gained the highest campaign donations of any campaign right now for the elections that are coming up, in it, you know, in the, in the near future. And can you imagine that Wesley Hunt didn't even have a district, right? Because they redistricted Austin. So that's huge. All right. So I love politics. So let me calm down. Number one, I want to talk about, and I'm going to take this from, I'm going to take this from an E3 perspective because it's easier to talk just one case through. So I'm an E3. I decide, I see that Trump is coming to, this kind of goes back to the Marine that was at Trump's rally that got in trouble. So I'm an E3 and I'm at, we're just going to play over with this. I'm at Fort Hood. I hear that Trump is coming to Texas because Trump loves Texas and there's going to be a huge rally and everybody's talking about it in town and people on base are talking about it. What do I do? I go to my first thing I hear about it. I go and I can take my friends with me or I can just be the representative. I go to um, the protocol officer. So that could be uh, at the company level. You could ask your first line supervisor. So if I'm an E3, I could say to my E5, I would like to I would like to discuss with you because you have to be very respectful. I would like to discuss with you a meeting with our protocol officer. If you could coordinate that, I would appreciate that and see what they say. Give them a couple of days and then you'll be sitting in there because you always go with your leadership. And I don't know if it's going to be an officer enlisted. Like, I don't know how it's done at the company level. So then you're talking to your protocol officer, right? And it might actually be at the battalion level. And so they're like, well, what would you, you know, what soldier, what would you like to do? Well, I would like to go to the Trump rally. Well, that's great. This is, this is the protocol officer talking to you. That's great. So here are the things that he's going to say to you. Do not go in uniform. Do not get drunk and unruly. Do, do not get arrested. Do not do anything violent, but have a good time. And if he doesn't say that to you, then he, he will say that to you because that's his job. And he wants to make sure that you have the best information that you can. So then I'm an E3. What do I do? I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to wear civilian clothes. I know my haircut is an army guy or is a Marine. I know I stick out like a sore thumb. And Americans love to see service members at rallies. So I have to remember that I'm going to stand out, right? So I'm going to put on a nice button down if I'm a man. If I'm a woman, I'm going to wear, you know, we got to keep it classy, ladies. I might wear a polo too. But my point here is that we're going to just dress like everybody else does. But because we know our haircuts and ladies and you not so much with your hair, we're going to stick out. So we're representing not only the military, we're representing our opportunity to follow politics, but to do it in a way that is, that is inside of regulations of UCMJ. So I go to the rally, people decide they're going to, uh, we're going to party in the barracks before we go, we're going to get wasted, we're going to have a keg and we're going to go crazy and we're going to rally negative. We're not, we're going to stay sober. And if, and sometimes you have to leave the pack. So go by yourself. I'm, I'm telling you, I get in less trouble by myself than I do with a group of people because you have to look out for each other. And I'm not saying don't look out for each other. I'm saying if you really legitimately want to go to the rally to hear Trump, you might be safer by yourself. And they say battle buddy is fine, but sometimes your battle buddy can really screw you. So go, you go to the rally, right? You go by yourself. You're wearing your polo because you're military. They decide to pump you, to push you up to the front. So you got a front row seat. I remember when President Bush II came to, I believe it was Kuwait, and he spoke to us, and it was sort of like a rally. 
So I can see where like you would get confused of like that feels like a rally and then Trump feels like a rally because he's your former president. And so it's important to note that at that rally, because I was deployed to Kuwait and then I ran missions in Iraq at that rally, I'm in uniform and I'm supporting my president, the commander in chief. So that's okay. But at this rally, Trump's not our president. He's run, He actually has not announced that he's running for presidency because it's like three years out. Three, well, yeah, it's about three years out. God bless us. And it's it's off base. We're not in a deployed arena. So those are all important things to note. So you go to the rally, you listen to Trump and you're cheering and everything's fine. And some people, you know, say, hey, are you a soldier? And you're like, yeah. And you... And, you know, you talk to them like a normal person, you know, I, I just care about issues. I, and you don't, you know, you don't have to say, you, you don't say anything like, I don't like our president, um, our current president. You don't say anything political like that, but you can talk about being in the military. You can be like, yeah, I'm a Marine. Of course, you're not going to want to put out any OPSEC like missions that you're doing, but you can do like, yeah, I'm a Marine. I'm stationed here. Those are all public knowledge details. Okay. So you just keep an eye on what you say, but you've already talked to your, your protocol officer. So you know what's what you can and can't say because the protocol officer is there to help you. Because trust me, if you if you get drunk at a rally, which I have my own experiences, and you make the news, that your PAO officer is going to have to deal with you, and your protocol and your PAO officer work kind of in cahoots with each other. So it is in their best interest to educate you so that you go to that rally and have a good time and don't hit the papers. So remember, everybody has an interest here and it's always important to know what everyone's interest is. And that's basically the public relations of of the military in general. Okay, so you go to the rally and then you go home and and you know, you didn't drink, so you don't have to worry about getting a DUI going on to post. You didn't lose your ID card, so you don't have to get stopped and on the there just there is no drama because you stayed sober. You had a good time. If you decide to have a beer, because sometimes the rallies have beers, have a beer, have a beer, one beer, wait an hour, drive home. But, you know, don't excessively drink. If you do get a hotel room and stay, you know, you guys got money. We all have money in the military. Stay at a, at a cheap red roof inn or something for 60 bucks and don't go back on post. But just be, you have to be thinking all the time about what your next move is. And, and you we're good at that because we're trained to do that in war. So if, as long as you're, as long as you're prepared and you know, your rights go to that rally, because this is why another bottom line up front, it is important that our young soldiers go to these rallies because they need to understand politics. Now they don't need to voice an opinion in it. They don't. And I would not even, I don't even know if I'd put this on your social media, you go into the rally. I probably wouldn't because that's going to cause a red flag. This is for you and your own professional development. And this is for the first lieutenants. This is for junior captains. Go to the rally, listen to the issues because you know them better than anybody else. When he's talking about the baby over the fence in Afghanistan, you know that those were your friends, right? Especially Marine Corps. Those were your friends. You know that story. You know that that baby has been resettled in Texas with her family. I think it's Eliezer name. You know that 13 of your of your brothers and sisters were murdered. You know that we left an entire country in shambles. So you understand what Trump is saying when he says it. And that's important. And then next time you have your deployment or next time we 
hopefully we'll go back to Afghanistan and save these people. You're on the ground and you know how what what your former president and your next president feel about what's going on. And you can help mitigate things like the Marines did, helping with the baby, the 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 poor the poor young soldier that died that was I think she was holding the baby at one point. She's she says, I love my job. You know, like, you know, props to her. And, 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 and God bless her that she, that she died and, and it's heartbreaking, but, but what she did was she was showing how much she loved her job. And so, and, and that's beautiful. And so it's very important that, that soldiers and service members understand politics, not to speak out about, but so that when you're on the ground as a soldier, you're technically in a humanitarian role. So you may not be the Peace Corps and you may not be the CIA, but you're in a humanitarian role as in the least amount of damage possible. So for example, I had a convoy, I had a, a bus come at me. I was a convoy security guard or convoy security. I ran convoys in Iraq, long haul. We were stopped on the MSR in the middle of the morning with the flat tire. Cause you know how Humvees, the flat tires, when it, when it heats up and then the engine overheats and you got to put the water bottle in the engine. So we were stuck on the MSR, like and this is the most dangerous time to be there. There's this bus coming at us. They're going to Ramadan and they're coming at us fast. And we fired warning shots. Okay. Because I didn't want to kill anybody. Neither did my soldiers. I didn't even have to call the talk because I, I mean, I did, they were on there, but I didn't have to get permission from them because I wasn't going to hurt anybody because I knew I had to take care of my soldiers first. So we would have. But it, we least had to do the warning shot portion. We warning shot, the bus spun around and went the other way. We did pick up the luggage and return it to a local fob so that they could come pick it up because it was like, you know, all their belongings in the world in that suitcase. And nobody died that day. And my point being is that when you understand these things, you understand what Ramadan is. You understand what it means to the culture to go to Ramadan at least once in their life. You understand why they get on a bus that's like an old school bus with their belongings in tow because you take your belongings with you on the pilgrimage. When you understand the population, you can mitigate these things. And, you know, I'll give myself and my gunner and my driver, I will give us a huge pat on the back for that one because we didn't kill anybody that day. Our soldiers are still alive. And and trust me, had they not responded on the first warning shot, I would have used deadly force 100% because my soldiers come first. But if, because there was a possibility to mitigate that, it was amazing. Those, I'm sure that that bus turned around and headed back to Ramadan when we, when we had our fob. And I'm sure at some point they probably picked up their luggage too. And my soldiers were happy that day because they didn't murder anybody. So it was a beautiful thing. So I think it's important that you understand political issues. And even if it's just reading the news every day, I think that you should read the news. I think you should think about getting a newspaper. You can get a newspaper delivered on post. Or even if it's um, Stars and Stripes, I know you guys read Stars and Stripes, pick up your Stars and Stripes and read it. They're educating you on everything you need to know that you already know, but they're just giving it to you in like a journalistic fashion that is maybe more of a civilian spin on things. So make sure you do your reading. Also recommend, you know, I know you do PT all week and you don't want to do PT on the weekends, but if you happen to go for walks on the weekends, use your audiobooks. Read Odin Arrow's book that hasn't come out yet that hopefully is going to be written. 
read Colin Powell's books. I'm sure he's got a million of them. Read the Afghanistan papers just came out. I mean, that book is amazing. Put it on your audio. And when you're hiking, listen to it because these are important issues for you to understand because you're there and you have the front row seat. So understand the politics behind them. Understand what happened in Mogadishu. Understand what happened with the CIA in, um, you know, when we found bin Laden, understand what happened with, there's just so much, the Berlin airlift. So I was stationed in, or I was working at the U.S. Embassy in Berlin. What is the Berlin airlift? We just had the, we just had our generation's Berlin airlift with Afghanistan, but on a much larger scale. And that's an important detail. And where did that Berlin, where did it happen at? It happened at Hitler's airport, right? Which is now closed down. They use it as a refugee camp for Syrians when I was there. But these are important things to to understand and just simply be a, being able to say, yeah, this is like a Berlin airlift. You know, people think about that, right? So, all right, next point. I think, we've, I think we, we nailed that one. I want to talk about voting. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's talk about voting. Fact, you can request an absentee ballot from your state if you are at APO, like in Germany, if you, any, any PO box, you can, any, I believe, and I'm pretty sure this is correct, even stateside. So let's say I'm from Ohio. I was stationed at Fort Drum. I'm almost positive that you can have an absentee ballot sent to you at Fort Drum. So while they talk about the Democrats always, you know, cutting corners with the mail-in ballots, which they are, you guys should do it too, but you guys are doing it legitimately. So request, you call your voting office anywhere. You can call your local one. You can call the national one. You can call the state one. You can call the capital one. And you request an absentee ballot. Once you go in this system, it stays and you don't even have to sign up every election. It just automatically comes to you. The only thing you have to do is like, if you change your address, you might want to call and change it. But if you continue to forward your mail, it'll just forward with you. So like I had an absentee ballot come to Germany in 2006 that then came to Fort Drum in 2009, that then came to DLI in 2015, and I never once changed it. Make sure you vote. And even if you, even if it's past the deadline, put a stamp on and mail it, because we know how the Democrats operate and they count them way afterwards or way before. So it's important that you exercise your right to vote because that's what you're fighting for. And if you don't do it, then you can't expect the American people to do it. That's my advice on that. What else did I want to talk about? Let's see. Okay, political campaigns. So let's say you really, really, we'll go the opposite, Rex. I know that I know there's some Democrats. Let's say you really like, so we're going to potentially Republicans take back over the House this time, but you, you're you Democrat and that's your right. But this is, of course, you know, in your head. So you like a certain candidate. And you would like to, you got online and you bought some shirts that had their picture on it and you want to wear them around the barracks. Probably wouldn't do it. Now, could you sleep in them in your pajamas? Yes, but I wouldn't be trouncing around the barracks in a, I don't even, I can't even think of a Democrat that's running, but um, I, you wouldn't want to be publicly supporting that around base. Now, if you go home to your home or record and you're hanging out at your parents' house for dinner, now that's that's different. So just think about those things. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put uh, stickers on your army backpacks. I wouldn't do you 
you don't want any outward appearance that there's any politics. A lot of this is just in your head for like your own situational awareness. So remember, remember image is reality. And I don't always like that because I think that that keeps, puts people in boxes. But in this case, you have to be very careful. It kind of goes back to like bumper stickers on your car. Is it a good idea to put a Trump sticker up if you're active duty? I would say not. Now, the second you turn into a veteran, I think that that's when you should do it. So just another thing to think about. I also want to talk about uh, WIC. Now, you do not, some of you, some of the younger soldiers, you do not make enough money. You should be making more. And I'm not picking on the military because I think defects have gotten better. I think the food, and I know that if you work outside of certain hours, you're allowed to eat on the economy or you get a certain pay for that. So I think it's evolved, but I just want you to know that you do qualify for WIC for for most and, and utilize that service and hear me out because WIC sounds like, oh, a welfare program. But if the military really cared, they would pay you more and then you wouldn't have to use WIC. And technically WIC is coming from the same funding. It's a federal account. So I would just look at it as an extension of your benefits to use WIC until they up your pay. And that also goes with like, you know, local soup kitchens. And I, and I don't really think it's cool that you should have to go to a local soup kitchen. I don't think it's cool that you should have to apply for WIC, but it's kind of the situation that they put you in. So until they pay you the money that, that works for you, that can feed your five kids, that can allow them to have tennis shoes on their feet. And, you know, the commissary does a good job and the PX. So I'm not necessarily picking on the military or DOD, but I'm saying utilize those extra services right now, because I think eventually it will change, but don't, don't hold back on getting WIC. Don't go, don't hold back on getting breast milk um, powder or those things. Cause that alleviates, um, it allows you to have a savings account. So your little girl can have a college fund. So your boy can start, you know, can, can save for, you can save for his first bicycle when he's an infant. I mean, there's, you can take that money and you can invest it in your TSP. So to be spending large amounts of money on food when you have a soup kitchen or when you can apply for WIC, I think you should utilize it. And don't be, don't let anybody shame you for that. If your leadership shames you, then you call me because they shouldn't shame you. They should understand that you don't make enough money to cover maybe all the kids that you have or the divorce that you're going through. So, you know, be respectful to your chain of command, but they don't technically, if you want to go to a soup kitchen and you're off time in civilian clothes, you have every right to. So I don't, you know, be careful what you ask for, because sometimes it's easier to apologize, but you, but that also is a weird rule in the military because that's how they get you. So just think about that one. Okay, I think I've provided a lot of information here very fast, so I will do a good write-up on this, but my point being is that you need to go to rallies. It is your political right. It is your right under UCMJ. That's why the rules are written the way they are, because they probably don't want you to go to rallies, but it is your right to go to rallies. So that is why all of those rules are in place so that you can go safely. So make sure you utilize them. And I was telling a soldier this the other day when I got arrested at Marine Corps Base Caneo, or not Caneo, Lejeune, is that think about like in your off time when you have 30 days of leave or you just got back from Norway and they gave you two weeks off, they have this thing called people to people. And I used it under the Obama administration to go to Iran. And 
not suggesting Iran or Iran. It depends on what language you're speaking on how you pronounce it. And it's in German, it's pronounced differently. But my point being, that's not a good country to go to because that there was a Marine that was there that was released about a couple of years ago. So do not go there, clarifying that. But if there's like a people to people trip and they do them through like different travel agencies, like let's say to Kosovo or let's say to Qatari or maybe South Korea. And they're, you know, like they're a couple thousand dollars. They go for 10 days and they offer a tour group or hotels, you know, that's a package of hotel food flight for like 3000 and you have the money because you, you have saved it up. Go to your protocol officer and say, hey, sir, so I heard about this trip through people to people under this Hawaiian travel agency, but she works all over the country. And I was wondering if I could go to Kosovo for two weeks with a trip with her because she's going to teach us about the genocide. And she's going to teach us about the men that died that were murdered and shot down on the hill. And we're going to go to the memorial where the mass graves are at. We're going to learn about genocide. And he was going to look at you and say, I think that would be a great idea. And you're going to be like, well, I read the books about it. I understand what happened there. I understand how the FBI and the DOD and the convoy that, or the the vehicle that rolled over the hill and who was in it because you did, you know, you, you read the book on it. And I understand, sir, and I care about that issue because I have a deployment coming up to Kosovo, or I just left Kosovo, or I just want to educate myself so that I'm a better soldier. Those are the kind of statements. I just want to educate myself so I'm a better service member. Boom. I mean, you. how do you argue with that? And your protocol officer is obviously an officer. And I don't say that in a negative way. I say, and there's probably an NCO associated too, but those guys are picked for those positions because they want to help you. So listen to them. All right. I think that's all today. And I just want to say we're so proud of Lieutenant Colonel Scheller and we know you're going to get an honorable and thank you for tuning in today. And please take a look at my other podcasts. We are on episode 35 now, and there's a ton for you to choose from. So have a great night. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.